I'm sorry. Can I go now? <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm being trained, as you can see. <laughs> we have the opportunity to hear from one of our brothers, and he's going to talk about something that's really important. It's not only a philosophical lesson, but it is also a spiritual lesson, and I think you'll see that as it gives it to us, and it's called Secrets to Survival, and the speaker is Mr. Art Williams. all these electronic devices set up here so I know what I'm doing. Okay. Secrets to survival. Everybody loves secrets, don't they? They want to make sure somebody listens to you. Whisper it. Don't say it real loud. Or you start out with, you know what I heard? Did you hear what happened yesterday? And then the story takes off and it goes. And sometimes it's the truth, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's half truth and half bogus. And depending on <clears throat> what level of life we're at, it, it applies throughout secrets. Secrets are very predominant in grade school. You know, little Janie is paddling on little Bobby. Sometimes it's not always the truth. Other times it is the truth. If you're in high school, there are secrets there. If you're in the workplace, or if you're in politics, or if you're retired, or if you're married. Yes, even if you're married, there are secrets in marriages, aren't there? And sometimes they become visible when there's a divorce, or before the divorce. <clears throat> The secrets are an integral part of our life, for better or worse. And so is survival. Survival is at all levels of life also. For some people, surviving grade school is a real challenge. For some people, high school is a real challenge. For some children, surviving their parents is a real challenge. And for some parents, surviving teenagers is a real challenge. And so survival and secrets are an integral part of all of our lives. There's, oh, I've got a, t a ton of illustrations. I think I'm going to bypass the, the illustrations that I have just because I think you all are very well aware of them. There's just no end to them. But I would like to point out one secret that people wanted to know the answer to, and they didn't get the answer. And it's in the Bible. And there are many secrets in the Bible. And if you, if you want to do a word search, you'll find out the word comes up quite often in Job. Job talks about secrets. And of course, the secrets of God, some of them are revealed to us as time goes by, and others aren't. Others become the subject of some great speculation. And as time goes by, some of these things like prophecies are revealed. And we only know prophecy has been, has been fulfilled after it happens, not before. And so all the speculation 
But there's a benefit to speculation. It keeps our mind working to possibilities. And the other thing is it keeps us remembering those prophecies. The other day I was speaking with a man about some prophecy, and for the life of me I couldn't remember um, the history behind the event that we were talking about. And it was, it was the division of Alexander the Great's empire into Egypt, Syria, essentially Turkey and Greece. And I couldn't remember that. And so I am thinking to myself, what other prophecies can I remember? And it requires a little historical review, I think, uh, and uh, boning up on that. But in Judges, chapter 13, 15 through 20, we see a couple people here who are amongst themselves, and they have a visit from an angel. Manoah said unto, and this is starting in verse 15, and Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain you until we shall have ready a kid for you. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, though, though, though you detain me, I will not eat of your bread. And if thou will offer a burnt offering, you must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your sayings come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why do you, why ask you thus after my name, seeing it is a secret? It's a secret. He would not tell him his name. I find that curious. And I suspect, well, I won't, I won't go into my own speculation, but... <laughs> But it, it, it is curious. He says it is a secret. Now, if you go to other translations, you won't see the word secret there. You may find the word wonderful. Like ESV says, uh, for my, my, my name is wonder, seeing it is wonderful. So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord descended, ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces on the ground. So there's an example of one of the secrets that has never been revealed who it was, if it was a special angel or if it was the Lord himself. Um, and so we get more to the heart of the message. Secrets to survival. What are the secrets to survival. Are they revealed to us? Or aren't they revealed to us? If they aren't revealed to us, how do we survive? And if they're secrets, how do we know them? Oh, this is a tough subject. I think I'll talk to you later. No, not really. I'm just being facetious. Um, a secret to survival. It's actually for you who wear cowboy hats and are from Oklahoma and the western United States and like country and western music might be familiar with the phrase secret to survival. Does anybody in here recognize that coming from a song? I didn't either. Until I heard the song and I got the idea. The secret to survival, the lyrics go, is to know what to throw away and know what to keep. For every hand's a winner and every hand is a loser. 
and the best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. It's from Kenny Rogers' song, The Gambler, and he's talking about a gambler and card playing. And I was thinking about that, and it is both philosophical in its approach, and it's also spiritual in its approach. The secret to survival. We get a lot of education throughout the scriptures. In the Old Testament, when it was Israel being an example to the world and to the nations around them, rejecting God, into the New Testament with Jesus providing for us the real method of survival for us. But in between, the lyrics of the song come true. Part of survival physically and spiritually is to know what to throw away. You throw away the ways of the world that are the opposite of the ways of the God Almighty and Jesus Christ. And sometimes those applications, we have to learn them. We have to learn them through life's experience. We have to learn the application. Sometimes they are mysterious and unclear to us. We may not even be aware of them. And that's what we throw away. And we have to know what to keep. We have to know what to keep. The teachings of Jesus Christ. And inculcate them into our heart and into our lives. And practice them so that they become a habit. We don't have to intellectually think about them. They're actually just part of our character value, and they flow out who we are and what we are. And he does that as we seek him, to inculcate him into who we are and what we are, so that our heart and our mind is meshed more with his heart and mind. As David was a man after God's own heart, so do we need to become people after God's own heart? He goes on in the lyrics, and he says, every hand is a winner, and every hand is a loser. And it's true in life, too. No matter what situation you're in, it can be a winner, depending on how you handle it. It can be a loser. What you say, how you say it, the intellectual background that you have, the spiritual approach that you have, can result in you being a winner. It can also result in you being a loser, but being a loser, you can be a winner because, you see, when you lose, it might be to the benefit of somebody else. And we got a little bit of a story on that. Paul, in his, in his trip to Rome, he told the sailors before they ever left, the ship's going to be lost. The weather's going to be bad. We're going to get shipwrecked. But nobody is going to be, lose their life. But we must be cast upon an island. And so they were cast upon an island. And what Paul said happened. None of the sailors died or lost their life. And while Paul was there on the island, he got bit by a snake. And the natives on the island thought right away he was a devil because nobody, no righteous man would get bit by a snake. But when he didn't swell up or die, then they thought he was a god. You know, one hand to the other. Reminds me of Nineveh because God said of Nineveh, they didn't know their left hand from their right. And that's why he was gracious to them. 
So Paul had to suffer that, and you would say he was a loser because his, you know, if, if that was me and I'm going on this trip and my ship sinks, now I got algae all over my brand new suit, my, my shoes are ruined, and, and now I get bit by this snake. Why? Well, it was a witness first and foremost to the sailors before they ever left that they would get shipwrecked and cast upon an island. None of them would lose their lives. It was also a witness to natives that were on the island. So it was a win for God. Paul, because of his attitude, I'm sure thought it was a win also because he knew what was going on, I'm sure. And so even when something appears to be a loss for us, it can be a win because his purpose matters. A bigger, greater purpose than what we can see because sometimes his ways are secrets and they are mysterious. And we can make wrong decisions and we can throw away something that we should have kept and we can keep something that we should have gotten rid of. But because Jesus is who he is, he can straighten out that mess. And depending where you live, we being in the United States of America, our challenges are in the least in terms of severity. They're probably in the least dramatic as opposed to be Say, say being a Christian born in Iran. If you go back 40 years ago, there were over 1 million Christians in Iran. It's estimated today there's 120,000. And you are a Christian in Iran, you have to keep it under the covers. So the way you will go about navigating your life is totally different from the way you would do it here. Knowing what to throw away in Iran knowing what to keep in Iran may be totally different from what you do here in the States. And how you play every hand, so it's a winner or whether it's a loser, is again, the elements of society come into play. And as we here in the U.S. will probably see at some point, if not in our own lives for us here in, in this audience right now, but at some time in the future, come to realize how we play the hand and be a winner is going to be totally different from the way we do it today, which is probably totally different from the way they did in 1870. A part of this is knowing yourself and knowing others. It seems lately I've run into many, many people that don't seem to have a conscience. And I heard a a religious leader who was some many years ago, he's deceased many, 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 many years now. And he said that a man with a conscience can be helped. And Alitha and I were having a discussion about that, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, because we'd helped various people throughout our life and some of them we didn't help. We elected not to help them because they weren't taking the actions in their life to help themselves. In other words, they would drag us down to their level by us trying to help them. 
And part of that is a man without a conscience can't be helped very easily. A man has to have a conscience. He has to feel repentance. He has to recognize repentance, recognize that there's a guilt inside of him and let that guilt out and admit it and repent as opposed to saying, I wasn't there. I know nothing about it. And wanting to go on in life as if, hey, I didn't do that. And everything else is just as it should be. And I never did anything wrong. But it takes more than just a conscience. It also takes an attitude, an attitude of wanting to be helped and wanting to help yourself and also a willingness to, to go about the things that you have to do to help yourself change. And because of one particular impedance, and it's, I, th- I think it must be endemic and getting worse in our society, it's called fear. Fear is one of the biggest blocks for people that have problems to be able to overcome and get on the right track because the right track is so foreign. There's a couple incidents that I saw recently. I'm not going to go into them, but both of them were legal incidents. And both of these people were just in tears because they didn't live up to their probation. And you could tell that they were sincere, but they did not have the character values. They didn't have the guidance and the instructions to help them on the path that they needed to be on. And they recognized that and they recognized that they needed help and they were structuring a plan to give them that help that they needed so they would get it. But even that doesn't solve the whole problem because sometimes the smallest decisions they can't connect the dots to realize that this trail of dots is the right trail, this trail of dots is the wrong trail because they don't, they haven't, they are not able to connect cause and effect because of perhaps their childhood, their background, their society. They literally are enabled to do, unable to do that. And so there's a lot of help that's needed. And so the secrets of survival to them are indeed secrets. While they may not be secrets to us. The problem for us, or I should say not necessarily for us, but for me, I'll say for us people in general who want to help others in this kind of a domain is having the patience to do so. Recognizing their mindset, where they're coming from, why they are the way they, why they are the way they are, and trying to reach them with the right thought process. And if they're willing, you can do that. I had an opportunity up at the Feast of Tabernacles in Canada one year. And it was, she was the cleaning lady. And we got talking about religion. And she wanted to go to a Sabbath-keeping church. Well, we were up in Canada at the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, I know where there's a Sabbath. And we're in Canada. I know where there's a Sabbath-keeping church in Buffalo and in Syracuse and in Chicago. But we're in Canada. I don't know where there's. The only thing I could do to help her was to recommend that she would come to our either our services the next morning or to our social event that night. I really didn't feel that she would come to either one of those. Just because if you're a lone person and you're looking for help, 
it's kind of hard to go to, into a strange environment where you don't know anyone and you don't know what it's like. And of course, she didn't show up to either one of those. So I wasn't able to help her or give her any information as to where to go for a Sabbath-keeping organization. I gave her references on the internet or the radio where she could get information um, to study. To the Philadelphia Church in Revelation 3, God gives us a promise. It's a promise for our betterment because of what we have done. And it relates back to the secrets of survival. He says, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. This trial that's going to come upon all the world is going to separate those that accept Christ and those that don't. And he says, because you have kept the word of my patience. In a way, the word of my patience is perhaps the entire instructions given in the Bible. In another way, it could be relating more specifically to that time of tribulation in the day of the Lord when things are very, very stressful. But the Philadelphia church has kept the word of his patience through all of that trying time when the whole world will be tested. Temptation is a test, a trial, to see where you stand when it comes upon everyone that dwells upon the earth. And he'll keep you from that hour of temptation because of what you have done in the past. Kept the word of his patience. The word of his patience, you have to do your own study on that. If I was to try, I actually tried to, to go out and define that a little bit. And frankly, you can come up with just an endless, endless uh, subject matter. Uh, the search words that you might need to go through are, uh, are almost endless. Because patience is so systemic in every aspect of Christian life. It's there. There was a man that said, and there's some, there's some right in this and there's some wrong in it. It's not so important to be loved that it is to give love. It's not so important to be forgiven as it is to be forgiving. Because in everything, we have to die before we can receive eternal life. There's a part of that that's not exactly true. If you take a healthy, spiritually well-grounded person, those are probably true statements. If you take someone that has never received love and feels unloved, it's very important for them to begin to feel loved and experience that. But they probably never will overcome their, their problems because many problems that people grow into are because they haven't felt love 
they haven't experienced love. Or perhaps when they did have it, they rejected it and threw it away. So that's a little bit that it's, it's important. It's, it's a nice concept, and it's got some truth in it, but it's not an absolute truth for all occasions. But the secret to survival is found in 1 Corinthians 15, probably through the entire chapter. I'm not going to go through the entire chapter. I'm going to look at maybe, oh, let's, let's start in verse 42 and go on down through probably 58 or so. Uh, because in the end we're going to see everything there is to know about this secret as far as it is applied in the, in the, in the meaning that I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. And it's raised in power. Jesus has a lot to say about weakness and the power and how that comes into play in our spiritual life. It is sown, and it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is the spiritual body. That is as it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterwards, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as he, the heavenly, such as they that are also heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Therein, we get a little hint as to what the secret to survival is. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery, a secret. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment of twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpets shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for the corruption for the corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The secret to survival isn't a secret at all. It's available in many nations around the world. Not all, but in many. 
and it's in plain sight. It's a matter of whether men and women will accept it. The secret of survival is Jesus Christ. 